Hello and welcome to the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on this episode is writer, critic and host of the Rambling and Ambling Podcast, Andrew Godey. Andrew was kind enough to give me some of his time to discuss one of the most iconic movie franchises of all time, the Rocky movies. It's a movie franchise that is rich with iconic characters, rousing music, heartwarming moments and so much more, all of which we get into in this conversation. So, without further ado, let's get to that conversation. This is the Rocky franchise with Andrew Gold. Hello, Andy, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, my pleasure. So, uh, when we got chatting, um, you threw out the topic of not one, not two, not three, but <laughs> I think several of the Rocky Balboa films. So, yeah, I'm really curious to hear more about this because I'm someone who's only ever seen like one, maybe two. Um, so yeah, I'd, which, I'd love to know which what... ones have you seen out of uh, out of interest. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I think I've seen one, most of four, and I've seen the two Creed films. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sort of yeah cherry picked a few, but I, I'd love to That's know. That's quite a like little contained franchise in and of itself. It is, <laughs> it is, yeah. So so I'd love to know, Andy. Um, how did you sort of first come to to meet the the Rocky franchise? When, when was your what was your sort of entry point to it? I kind of pin it back to what I coined my like uh summer of uh summer of origin of like Andrew the the cinephile because when i was about like 11 years old i was out of school for about two months with a chest infection that kind of knocked me for six and one of my friends and uh his mum just lent me a load of box sets to watch uh and it was like the first time i got like introduced to the alien franchise at the age of 11 which i i turned out all right so it's okay (laughs) (laughs) um the die hard trilogy again pretty intense stuff for an 11 year old but yeah uh, <laughs> i lapped it up but uh probably my the one that i really clung to out of the bunch that they let me borrow was the rocky box set which had at that time it was only one to five so and they were i consumed all five of them in the space of i want to say about two days and for, <laughs> for someone who was feeling like very sorry for themselves and a bit down in the dumps being ill there was something very uh infectious about the energy and level of spirit and perseverance that is exhibited in like all five even at their lowest points uh, they still have that core kind of uh joyful hard to uh hard to kind of deny yourself that sense of uh motivation that they all give you in some in some way or another yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've, as I said, I've only seen a couple, but that is something I think the the franchise is very well known for, is it's got a lot of positivity and there's a lot, I mean, the whole, the first film, you know, the whole story is it's it's an underdog story, very much in, in every sense of the word. So I think I can see why that would be quite comforting when you're uh, perhaps feeling at your lowest. Definitely, definitely. And then from then on, how that kind of relationship has grown it's as i got more and more into film you kind of and as you you get older and watch more and appreciate the kind of cultural value that certain things have that you're watching that you maybe wouldn't really be that really bothered in kind of associating with when you're just a kid watching them and you start to realize how much 
this franchise is kind of so strange and kind of an outlier of like most of the other big franchises of its kin because it's very hard to think of other franchises that have gone on for 40 years that don't feature like a gun or someone in spandex or a lightsaber (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true that's very true um yeah because how many films are we up to now you have have to educate me so yeah so we're on eight so there's the six rocky films and the two creed films and there is a creed three in development so there's more where that came from (laughs) and uh yeah and i think part of like as a film fan i like very much grew to follow Sylvester Stallone a lot more in uh as I grew up as well it's that he was kind of I was umming and ahhing over whether to just do Stallone movies or Schwarzenegger movies because those kind of big uh 80s action movies are also like a deep deep love of mine but there's something particularly about the Rocky films that just feels a bit cuts a bit deeper and is a bit closer to uh I know something that you can appreciate both on a kind of like ironic level, but also really quite deeply love as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing with this podcast is just that it's exploring people loving. You don't have to love it ironically. If you love it deeply, if there's something that connects with you, that's great. And that's, that's what I want to hear more about. And from my understanding, um, it's something that you talked about there, uh, you know, doing the whole gambit of, Stallone movies, my understanding was this was the film that kicked off his whole career, wasn't it? This was very much his baby that he looked after. Absolutely. It. So he'd only done like a couple of small small roles uh, in the early 70s. He was an extra in a porno once as well. So this was kind of the place he was starting out at. And like the whole big story ar- around like particularly the first Rocky is how he really was championing himself to be the star of it because he had this script that a lot of Hollywood loved, but a lot of studios that he was shopping around to just were not keen on casting him as the lead role because he no one no one knew his name. People wanted like James Can or Robert Redford to do it. Um but he really stuck to his guns and said, I will not show you this script until you say I can do it. And then it was uh Erwin Erwin Winkler and Robert Chartoff, who are quite powerhouse players and the seventies in Hollywood were the ones who went, yeah, okay, well, we'll give it a shot. Right. Well, do you think? And the rest is history. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, again, I've only that's one of the films that I've seen, and I, even I get the sense watching it that I wonder how you feel about this. That part of that kind of bleeds through on the screen a bit. I think that's kind of what makes his performance so good is that he's he's genuinely putting his his whole career on the line, and it's like every it's very much a parallel to the character's journey throughout the film yeah i i would even kind of extend that to the whole franchise as a whole because it's the whole thing is like stallone's baby really so out of the original six rocky films he directed number two number three number four and number six balboa and he wrote he's written all of the only one he doesn't have a writing credit on in the whole franchise is the first creed so i think you can really kind of translate the kind of career trajectory that he had outside of the rocky stories and how they kind of parallel each other because you've got the first one like you say someone really putting it all on the line and just going for their one once in a one in a million shot at the title the second one's all about okay what do i do after i've had my 
million to one shot. Uh, how do I follow this up? How am I going to uh, kind of come back and match a similar level? That's anxiety ex expressing the film, and it's surely uh, anxiety he's having coming in as a writer and director. And then the third one is like the first full out eighties one where it's where it's starting to turn Rocky into a superhero to kind of match the star watches of Stallone at the time because like the first two he's still this quite like paunchy fighter but then the third one he comes back his hair's all feathered and voiced and he's completely ripped he's like it's a it's a movie star now it's not a it's not a 70s uh discovery anymore and then that's of course carried over into Rocky 4 which is just a complete kind of the era of Stallone as the Raven poster boys of where Rocky and Rambo are kind of both matching up to the same kind of wearing the American flag and fighting the good fight and trying to end the Cold War in a boxing match, which <laughs> <laughs> you almost did. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I mean, you, you might laugh at it a little bit now, but it almost nearly worked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is like the kind of peak of Stallone in the yeah. 80s, and that is so exhibited in that movie because that is just full-on 80s overdrive oh, and then you have Rock rocky five which is right at 1990 and it kind of kicks off this chain where stallone's slightly not as relevant anymore he's not he's struggling to have a hit out he only has a couple of hits coming to and fro in the 90s and it is that he, his sense of stripping rocky down is a sense that he's kind of got to take a step back himself and while that is the weakest film and does kind of forget some of the core elements along the way whilst it's stripping this character back down it still has this weird place in both the franchise history and Stallone's career history as being like this marker of a kind of downturn which led to his him having to kind of build himself back up again with Rocky Balboa in 2006 at this point where he hasn't had a hit for ages so again he's kind of He's more back in a similar position than he would have been around like Rocky One or Rocky Two, where it's you kind of have just slight more uh, expectations aren't quite uh, what they used to be. So in that, for the sake of Rocky Balboa, that kind of is a strength to it that it manages to tap into a real emotional feeling that people probably have had for this character now, particularly that he's been he had been away from the screen for so long and is addressing his aging within it and it becomes a much more emotionally enriching experience and partly also because of how how rough a ride rocky five was as well so even that kind of adds to this kind of development across the whole franchise for both the character and stallone and then you have the creeds which like completely again treat him like a particularly the first creed treats him like a human being again who's kind of weak and vulnerable and is susceptible he's not the superhero anymore he is just this just an old aging fighter and like Stallone really, really knows how to play that in those Creed movies and again kinda has helped in his own resurgence as uh, someone that people are interested in seeing on screen again. Yeah, absolutely. And again I someone who's sort of I really came back into it for those two films and I thought it was I thought both of them, like you say, were absolutely brilliant, especially for the very I was surprised, very emotional performance given by Stallone, it was quite humanising. And I think that's something to, to remember of these films is, you know, he, he is a good actor. 
when he when he wants to be. He's done some absolutely terrible stuff, and then loads of people have, you know. <laughs> and I, I just got to pay the bills. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But just listening to what you were saying there, like I I didn't realize how much those films and that character really parallels his career. I guess that explains why he's so fond of it and protective and hasn't sort of signed it away, you know, or franchised it just to make a load of money. It's something he keeps coming back to and it seems to be coming back to a very pivotal points in his career. So thank you for sharing that, Andy. That was a, that was really, really interesting. So I'm curious then, when did you sort of, I mean, obviously you fell in love with them, as you say, you know, watching that box set. So you've seen it up to five by that point. So were you really hyped then yeah. sort of when six came around? I was. I was yeah. very hyped. Good. And so this was like two years into my love affair with Rocky Balboa. And that, that was a, and I grew up on an island in, in, the, in the Channel Islands. I grew up on Alderney. And the cinema there, um, which I, I love and still love to this day, uh, God bless it, did only show two films a month. Um, while Zuck White was growing up, that was kind of the um, volume of films coming in and out. So it was always a bit suspicious over what films would actually end up getting there. And Rocky Balboa, unfortunately, was not one that got there. <laughs> so I had to wait to the DVD to come out to uh, be able to finally see that. But I remember big hype, just kind of like knowing I'd ordered this DVD and just waiting for it to arrive. I, I really remember that, and particularly when you're... Like it, how old I was in, I would have been 13 when that came out. Particularly then, time feels like so much longer when you're waiting for something like that that you're really excited for. So I, I remember that being like a agonizing, drawn out watch. And I, and, but I remember watching it with like my dad and a couple of friends came over to all, and we, yeah, we all loved it. I think because we had all, we were all similarly minded in how excited we were for it. So it, yeah, I remember that. That that was must be one of those like first early experiences of getting really hyped for something and it being such a drawn out way as well. Mm. Yeah, I can I can only imagine and uh, yeah, I, I get what you mean, especially when you're you're younger. Yeah, time does feel it's all relative, but it does feel a lot longer yeah. <laughs> when you're a teenager. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, so I'm just curious, and out of all the films so far, do you have a favorite, or did they kind of rotate depending on? how you um i think the first one's my favorite just because it's the franchise like as you've kind of pointed out as well is that the franchise that it's most raw and it feels the most kind of bearing it's that element that it is bearing its soul and it is this it still feels like kind of like the scrappy underdog of the bunch even though you watch it because everything's slightly less refined even the steady cam work still they're still kind of working out the balancing on that early invention but like all the performances are great in it and all like the kind of key elements of the iconography are all in place already from phil conte's score to running up the steps and it is a film that's so like as much as it has boxing as its kind of center point it is entirely a love story around rocky and adrian which just give it just a little more emotional resonance than so many others, but I must say the first Creed is a very, very close tie for top spot because I, I was like blown away by how invigorating that was. And it's easily the film I've rewatched the most in like the last five years since it came out. I, I, I watch it two or three times a year, probably. <laughs> nice, nice. That's a really good 
really cool. And, Sorry, go on. And then beyond beyond that, um, what would I have next? Probably Rocky Four would be my third favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just because that hits a very different kind of appeal to like Creed One and the first Rocky, and that it is this pure popcorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, I think that's totally fine. You know, not not every film has to be necessarily a deep emotional character study. You can, yeah. you are allowed popcorn. You just got to enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think I remember. I think it was my dad that said to me, like, seeing Rocky Four in the cinema, like, and he was saying how people in the audience were getting really riled up, you know, the big fight yeah. at the end, because they spent so much time doing all these, like, over-the-top montages, and they've been this massive it, it journey. And to be fair, it starts off pretty emotional, doesn't it? You know, they, they kill off yeah, the Yeah, I mean, characters. it's the biggest death in the franchise, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it makes sense, considering that Creed 1 and 2 are then sort of born off the back of that. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I same as you. I was quite surprised to see how how well it built off the back of that because it can be very easy to see that as a cash in. You know, it's just cashing yeah. in one of the more popular ones. And here's a big moment in the franchise. All right, we'll just build this. But it was actually quite emotional. And yeah, so t- talk to us a bit more about that then, because that's something that on the surface people might think it's a film about boxing. How can it be mm-hmm. so emotional? Yeah. Because I'm not someone who's even that into boxing. Like, I, a peripheral interest, but, like, not nothing really um, that helps drive me towards the Rocky movies. It's just, I, I do find it's just kind of like the ingredients of any good sports movie are really hard to uh, deny um, loving, even if you don't like any of the sports that it's kind of dramatizing. There's just something about the formula of uh what having this kind of overt struggle on the surface of training up to fight someone whilst also having to deal with life problems and how they can kind of feed off of each other and affect one and the other and it ends up being a much more the kind of when everything does collide and it is the big fight at the end everything that's been going on in the film and all the characters conflicts all all are ending up on this platform for things to be hashed out and it's very hard not to get riled up and into it by the by that those final bouts like i can even remember watching them as a kid and like mainly my parents coming in every now and again just see what i was watching and just kind of like even if they were in the middle of doing something they just and if it was on the final fight they just kind of stop and watch it for a bit because even though you like you'll know how most of them are going to end up but there's just something that is very hard to tear your eyes away from because they have managed to entwine both the personal struggles and the struggle to build up to this fight into a really neat and often quite electrifying package with a really great soundtrack at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess that's kind of the centerpiece of any good storytelling, isn't it? Is you've got to have something to care about. You've got to have characters to yeah. root for. And that's definitely, yeah, I can see that's why a lot of people look to the Rocky franchise as like a, a perfect example of how to present a main character and just give them so many reasons to root for them. In the ring. Yeah, he, he's a guy who's like, uh, he's, he's got a lot of, he's a very, a man who really lives by his values and he's, he's 
incredibly caring for like anybody who enters his life even there's loads of moments in the franchise where i think about the first rocky where he's been given his shot to fight apollo creed and mickey played by burgess meredith the gym owner who was training him but kind of kicked him out and called him a bum just before all this uh, just before he was miraculously offered the title fight and mickey's coming around to rocky's apartment to kind of just basically say i'm sorry please let me be your trainer for for this this is a big moment i want to be a part of it with you and rocky kind of lays into lays into him saying like how you were never there for me why should i let you come and join this journey with me you've never done anything for me and it kind of it's a big outburst of emotion from him and then mickey leaves kind of downtrodden disheartened but the film shows rocky just kind of running out and apologizing and you don't see what they're saying to each other you just see it shots from quite far away and you see them both in the distance kind of cashing it out shaking hands and having a hug and there's just so many moments of rocky having these big outbursts but realizing instantly the kind of value that these people have in his life and how much what he does can't be done without the support system of people he knows will ultimately really be there for him when all this falls away and there's there's a lot of moments like that where he is just a very emotional and incredibly caring individual that makes you very easy to root for him and to to, to love him throughout all, all of these mm. and i suppose that's a good thing as especially as a young lad then to see those feelings that's kind of those are nice qualities to see reflected in a in a hero really in a film isn't it it gives you almost something to look up to and aspire to and i suppose that's part of the reason why we have to root for him as a character because if he was just a horrible you know horrible guy that was like you say pushing people away and all the rest of it you wouldn't have any necessarily the same kind of uh same kind of motivation would you to to back them yeah definitely and i think that it he definitely becomes more of a kind of like figure of aspiration but by three and four and like even to the point where again you can see like stallone kind of making him his talisman figure of like this is the guy who's always staying on the good path he's got a rock rock steady marriage and he's got kids and wealth and success he becomes this figure to more look up to as as a kind of larger than life figure but he definitely starts out more as somebody who kind of you can recognize as kind of being a little rough around the edges but he's he's really trying to basically do the right thing by the people he loves which is a very easy easy motivation to get behind <laughs> mm, absolutely talk to us a bit more about the um the love story then because you, you brought it up a minute ago mm. it's one of those like iconic sort of infamous things you know you hear people kind of mimic it all the time saying adrian and stuff like that but yeah th- th- their sort of connection is something that will definitely go down in cinema history as one of the most sort of iconic sort of romances and couples in film so yeah talk to us a bit more yeah. about that so it for those maybe not too familiar that rocky and adrian the first film is very much their love story of how they very much fall in love from her being quite like a timid and shy pet shop worker that he sometimes tries to flirt with every now and again and then eventually manages to go out on a date with her and together he ends up finding the support and 
that he's always kind of latched as he's always shown as quite like a lonely individual in this very kind of dingy not very well kept for apartment and but she's been living at home with her brother polly played by bert young who is quite he, he gets drunk a lot he's quite verbally abusive to her uh particularly in the first one and feel like she's just being stifled in her home environment and together they kind of allow allow rocky finds the support he's looking for and adrian finds somebody who doesn't try to trap her and is just wanting to know who she is and what she she likes and what uh what she thinks about things and like there's that famous scene where he manages to, to bribe someone to let them just kind of go around on the ice rink for uh half an hour um and that is all just about them t- both finding ways to take their guards down and see that there is a genuine connection between the two of them and that runs through that whole first movie to right uh right to the end fight where instead of kind of like focusing on oh who's won who's 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 come out on top in this fight that it tells you but in a kind of offhand distracted way that oh yeah apollo creed won on split decision uh but it doesn't really care about that it, the f- camera is entirely focused on adrian right out in the back of the uh stands um looking in on a fight and rocky's rocky has no interest in what the result is he's just shouting for adrian's name she charges up they tell each other they love love each other and the freeze frame of the last one is them two in an embrace it's not holding up a title or kind of being victorious over apollo creed the real victory is that those two have been able to find each other and express that they 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 love each other and then that kind of steadfast love is put through all the kind of paces that any sort of young married couple would go through on a slightly larger stage granted (laughs) but they (laughs) they are like the that she remains his kind of like steadfast conscience who will be who will always be there to kind of whenever he's doubting himself to remind to remind him of who he is and what he is capable of which makes Rocky Balboa such a like emotionally devastating one as well because that is entirely a film about grief and as a spoiler for, for Rocky Balboa Adrian is dead by this point she's been dead for about two years before the film takes place and that whole film is about how this man has to now deal with this grief of losing the most important person in his life and again it is much more about that than it is uh, a fight in it in it in and of itself wow i'm sold i mean i've already seen it but, um, <laughs> i mean yeah that, that's again i think something that is clearly quite important to the franchise and its longevity is those sort of human elements in it and that story and, and you're right I'd, I'd forgotten that but yeah that's how that film ends is it's not about him winning or losing it's that she she is there for him in the end you know and because if i remember correctly there is a bit of a back and forth and she naturally is hesitant about supporting him watching him you know get pummeled and but she comes around to be that like you say that sort of stable rock that he needs that support and so it's nice that that's how that ends and it's it's more about the relationship and the journey that he's been on and being recognized not only by all the fans but also by the person who he loves the most and that's i mean that's who can't 
get on board with that as a, as a concept exactly. for a story. <laughs> Even if it does get a bit weird in the in the coming sequels, you know, it's that's okay. Go on the journey yeah. with the guy. You know, Rocky and, and Adrian are still there together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, up to a point. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, yeah. I, I should say, spoilers for all the films. Um, I just, maybe I'll say yeah. it after the show now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like at, at this at this juncture in the podcast, it, they're going to know that details are going to be discussed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, there's, there's so much of it. I mean, again, I can only really speak to the Creed films, but um, as being the more recent ones. But I remember that being quite a powerful moment in the film. It's, like you say, seeing Rocky as a frail old guy. And yeah. He's not, he's not got family anymore. Like you said, his, his wife's gone. He's sort of estranged from his son and that that was such a I think such a powerful moment, even though the film isn't necessarily about him, you know, he's more of a sort of secondary character. Those were still really good performances and correct me if I'm wrong, he got Oscar no- nominated for one of them, didn't he? He did. He got Oscar nominated for the first one. Okay. He's one of uh yeah, he's one of I I'm I'm sure there are other examples of actors being nominated for the same character, but I maybe Paul Newman. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a very rare case of being nominated for the same role in the in one lifetime. Um, and yeah, th- there's something about his performance in the particularly the first Creed because he is, like you say he is in this. Polly's died by this point now as well. Um, who was still around in Rocky Balboa, but he's he's gone by this point. Uh, he is estranged from his son, and there's this kind of defeatist attitude in him when he fir- does hear his diagnosis of uh, uh, cancer, I think, or maybe Ron, Ron Hodgkin's lymphoma, I forget which one. But, uh, yeah, and it is about, again, so he's a man who's been stripped away of his support system by elements somewhat out of his control, bar his son, which gets addressed more in the second creed. But, uh, again, that, that movie is about someone coming in uh, at his lowest point to suddenly again be a figure of support for him in this in this case it's Johnny Creed played by Michael B. Jordan and again it's about him having to use that uh, both using those his fight preparation and his treatment end up as like real parallels in that final act uh, and again it's just a testament to them tying those two together and also, like, Stallone's performance in that is, I always find, like, because whenever you see Stallone on Instagram or what have you, he's still, he's quite, like, a sprightly dude and very well, like, he's a very healthy dude for his early 70s and he's still quite, like, he's well kept together and he's he, he's very fit for his age. But the way he plays Rocky is this kind of, he does feel like a boxer from 30 years ago who's suddenly had, like, all the weight of all the kind of hits and pummels over the years, kind of, he, he's slogged around, he's got this kind of, like, shifting body weight to him that feel, like, you really feel the age of, like, the history of this character in that performance, and uh, it's small stuff like that throughout these movies that, like, keeps me on the, on, always on the side of Stallone being a great actor argument. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. So it's, it's a weight to the character, and and uh, yeah, you know, I really enjoyed all of them, especially the, the Creed films. I said the more recent ones I saw, and yeah, just blown away by how uh, how grounded it was for him. And yeah, and like you said, the the sort of 
sadness that came out of the character. You just kind of wanted to put your arm through the screen and give him a big hug and just, you know, (laughs) your heart just went out to the guy. But again, yeah, that that must obviously be the reason why a lot of people come back to this is at the core of it. There's a really, a really human story. You know, who who can't relate to an underdog, to someone that, that has to ultimately fight just to even get noticed. You know, and, and if I remember correctly, the first film, the whole reason he gets picked is because he has a funny nickname. And yeah. it's kind of like a publicity stunt on the part of um, Apollo Creed. He's thinking, this, oh, this will be fun. I'll fight this guy and, you know, it, it'll sort of be good for my career. Like, doesn't even think twice about the man. Yeah, it's only yeah. sort of later on that he realizes, oh, hang on, this guy can actually throw a punch. <laughs> You know, yeah, a lot, a, a lot of this franchise is about hubris in that kind of regard as well. That that ultimately mm. ends up being Apollo Creed's fate as well. Is kind of not willing yeah. to listen to the people around him a, a bit more. But um, no, yeah, like it, it's completely like a stuck, like a random event that sees him thrown thrust into this position. All that kind of event, like we've probably all got our equivalent events that we always dream about. It's like. Or maybe one day someone will just offer me this job out of the blue or this thing out of the blue and I'll be able to finally like show my like complete worth and on the on a big stage. So yeah, that that is an element as well. That's like uh, that slight worst of the film and that kinda of comes in with any kind of even the most grounded sports movies to kind of be the catalyst to get them going. Hmm. It certainly seems like it. I mean I can see this as being a template as well for a lot of other films. Um, yeah. You kind of I... think about the iconography of it is has been kind of like channeled through so many different things. Like, I, I'm sure, like, particularly for people in our generation, they might, one of the first places they might have heard the theme tune was the 118118 uh, <laughs> advert. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there is this element of like, the kind uh, of even <laughs> it, it it stretches and probably just towards like boxing movies in general like yeah. it's going to and sport it's going to like so many different fabrics of culture and uh, and has has a very big uh, footprint on pop culture really yeah absolutely how sad is that that our generation can link it to an advert <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> incredible but yeah, you're right. It's something that's is parodied time and time again. Because um, mm-hmm. I think like one of the first like tastes of Rocky or like mentions of Rocky I ever had would have been in the si- Simpsons, where Bart's yeah. trying to get out of a trap and adds the Roman numerals together. Rocky two plus Rocky five equals <laughs> Rocky seven. Adrian's revenge. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but, I know. Uh, I think I could probably credit the Simpsons for most of my like first introductions to a lot of things but like, <laughs> oh oh same again, it, yeah yeah it's that sense of permeance throughout like pop culture for the last 40 years that that rocky tag is it, it's very easy to track and also quite surprising because i know like a uh, particularly when developing like the creed soundtrack ludwig Göransson, who composed the score was able to get a lot of R- r&b artists to collaborate with him because there's so much love for the Rocky franchise in kind of rapping R&B culture as well which like yeah it's mad and like 
that's a big thing I think as well in the Rocky movies is the music throughout all of them is sick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did they say why it has such a resonance with them? Well, I guess it's probably for the similar reasons we've been discussing. Yeah, I think again, like this underdog character, and I think particularly um, if you look at, uh, I think largely like the the, area, like, uh, the Philadelphia area as well, views him as such like a uh, larger than life figure, even in the history of Philadelphia as a city. I mean, like one of the statues has been donated to the city and is up around them. Like the the steps up to the art museum are called the Rocky Steps. So it even has it has such a big impact on people in the city except it's set in because like the city is itself really embraced the legacy and uh, iconic imagery of it as well. So that that's going to bleed out into any kind of culture that that city produces, really. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I heard. Um, I'm going to give a mild plug to a, a previous guest, um, Mark, uh, who was on here, and yeah, he he had an interview on his podcast, Mark and me, with a guy. I didn't realize this this was an, a thing, but he had an interview with a guy who um his job was to basically take people on like a rocky tour of the city, and he could do impress. He was a really good impress. Did a really good impression <laughs> of the guy and. But it, do you know what? I listened to that interview that he did with him, and I I thought it was so uplifting just listening to this guy and sort of similar to what you're saying. Like there's something really undeniably, yeah, just motivating and empowering about these films. And it and like you say, it's no surprise that it goes through to the city and they're proud to to do that and to offer tourists the opportunity to yeah come and see the stairs, yeah see the cafe where <laughs> you know Rocky was and do all of that stuff. You think yeah why not? And from what I hear, Stallone. Is more than happy to come back and you know as we all sort of pass through yeah. the city on a semi-regular basis and drop in and sign stuff for people and you know do things like that. I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I I agree because like you, with any kind of somebody who gets associated with such an iconic character, you you imagine there must be points in their career, which I'm sure was the case with Stallone, around the Rocky Five era where you kind of question whether you should be tied in with one role in particular um but as with like a lot of actors who seem to kind of start out in these early roles and then as they get into their older age they do just like any kind of sense of um worry that they're being too tied to it is completely washed away and there's just like a complete embracing of the character and the love that there is for for him and how much people look at you as that character as well i mean that's got to be a hard thing to deny yourself <laughs> yeah totally and uh, talk, talk to us a bit uh, sorry talk to us a bit more about the uh, the music then because you've mentioned it a couple of mm. times the different composers and bands and i mean obviously who doesn't know that there's that you know iconic rocky theme like say of him running <laughs> up the stairs <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so there's only been three composers on the rocky franchise as a whole so bill conti um bill conti did one two three five and six um who like bill conti is was it and usually was john g alverton's uh go-to composer so he also did like the karate kid as well so he's got oh he's brilliant got the ped- he's got pedigree in sports movies yeah and, like he's the one who like it set down all these iconic fanfares and uh also wrote the music to gonna fly now the the big theme in there um and 
the second composer was Vince Vicola, who uh, I'm trying to remember his other credits. The only one that's coming to my mind right now is Transformers the movie, the animated one from the eighties. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he he did he did Rocky Four and is like again the music in that is entirely in key with the whole amped up aesthetic of that movie. It's all very synth driven, percussion based. Yeah. Like, uh, but really, really great music for like getting quite pumped to it. Like the, his training montage and fight montage music is very different to the kind of way Conti addresses it with more of a kind of traditional full orchestra uh, trumpeting fanfares. But Vicola's uh, music has its own kind of value in that it is still electrifying without having it fits more of a kind of tacky uh almost uh amped up vibe i'd say of the of rocky four in general and it and really plays well with the songs that you have from like survivor and there he of course also did eye of the tiger for rocky three so there's your second like big iconic song coming out of the franchise and then kind of fast forwarding to the creed movies you have uh ridley Gorenson working on them who has worked with Ryan Coogler as well on Black Panther and he's currently scoring The Mandalorian so he is like the, he did Tenet as well this year so he is like the hot composer on the on the scene at the minute and the Creed movies feel like the first place where he kind of particularly with larger blockbuster fare really got to strut his stuff and he adds some real kind of again is more akin to Conti than the Rocky Four vibe, but he adds so much kind of like big bravado and muscular energy to the scores that kind of help that sense of uh, reinvigor reinvigoration that is running throughout those whole two films. He, and there's that perfect moment in the first Creed where throughout the film, the score has been um, largely working on new themes with around Donnie's character, themes that kind of are new, but they slightly echo what Conti's original themes were in the original. And but it's not until the moment where we're about to go into the, the final round of the final fight, and like he's get, gotten a pep talk from Rocky as he's about to go in and like really show what he's worth and that he is a Creed. And as soon as the bell goes, that's when you get like, it really knows how to like, it knows the power that that kind of iconography of that music can have, but also how kind of fragile it will be to have just like thrown that in at like any earlier point in the film or had like done a fly now as the theme in the montage. It feel it, the film is a little smart than that and knows that in order to feel like, a part and parcel and a truly worthy um, successor to like the Rocky legacy. It has to use those themes in really key moments where they're really going to be at their most uh, emotionally uh, rhyming and fulfilling. And like to use that fanfare in that moment in that film is a real kind of boom moment of like, yes, we've, we've done it. We're here where we, we've, we feel like we're confident we've got this and it, it, it really works for that kind of like final declaration in the first Creed movie. Absolutely, man. I mean, I'm just getting pumped just listening to you talk about it because yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I listened yeah. to some of the Creed 2 soundtrack before 
You're getting yourself pumped up for a podcast. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Because again, there's like a brilliant training montage track that is Ludwig Göransson's score that like then weaves in um, the original song that ASAP Rocky did for the film as well. That and it's just like this complete combination of uh, kind of more uh, classical orchestral with more modern music that really like gives it a real kind of defining energy all that's all onto itself for the creed movies but also so amped up and and respectful of the musical legacy that's come before it which again it's such a achievement of those movies to bring this kind of whole new musical landscape because it knows how important music has been to the franchise in the past it it doesn't want to drop the ball on that part, and it like they never they they never do. Both of the soundtracks of those movies are so good. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely, they should be. It's you know, music's one of those things in a film that you know, scoring a soundtrack can really make or break. Yeah, you know, and I, always one of the first things mm. I'll listen out for. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard, really, isn't it? Because I think sometimes it is hard. <laughs> you can. There's a fine line, I think, between you know, overdoing it and then not doing enough. You know, you can definitely go through a film and not notice a score if it's that unmemorable. But then at the same time, you, you can I can think of films I've been in where I, it's just been a bit too much. So it's nice when something strikes a balance. And you're right, in a, in a film like this, in a franchise like this, that's definitely important. I mean, who of us, if, you know, you're going for a run or you're lifting weights or, you know, you're choosing to exercise in any sort of form, personally... I really struggle if I don't have good tunes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need some motivation. So yeah, I mean if you're gonna have a film where it's pretty much workout montages and fighting and you've got you're building all this character up, absolutely you need a absolute banging soundtrack in the back. Of course exactly, you do. exactly. And particularly in the case of Rocky Four when your film is Yeah. Uh, like thirty five percent montage, <laughs> <laughs> might even be more. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably is. Like, that's the first thing I think of actually. This one says Rocky Four. I just picture like this sort of ju- juxtaposed montages. I think is it Rocky running around in the mountains, and he's got yeah, um, what's his name there with all his like bells and whistles, and it's very eighties. I've been flashing lights. All his tech. Yeah. yeah, and just as the synths like going, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mad as well because you have like you have one training montage that's set to um, Vince Nicola's score. That is the right. one that's him r- running up the mountain and like kind of uh, showing the two sides being in different in their approaches. And then literally, there's one little filler scene where he has a chat with Adrian. And it's right in into another training montage, <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, it's straight into the fight montage. That there's, it that the last like twenty five minutes that movie must be purely montage. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it for its, that. It's, <laughs> yeah, and do you know it's interesting to me that like the the sequel films at Creed in particular build off of the nostalgia as well, you know, because the first one is as you say the son of. Apollo Creed comes in, and you know it's sort of his sort of arc is where where this franchise is now going. And the second one, yeah, they bring back Ivan Drago and his son, and it, it seems yeah, to be something that's doing really well. Like me and my wife have just got into um, Cobra Kai, like I just sort of yes. got on that, and it's fantastic. You know, we went back and watching the old Karate Kid films, and that, and I was saying to her the other day, I was like, 
there does seem to be this sort of resurgence for the eighties and you know that that kind of thing going on. So it makes sense that like the Creed films in particular pick up on that quite nicely. Yeah, and I think the Creed films and Cobra Kai as well are two of the better examples of how to do a legacy sequel as well because they allow the kind of storied weight of their individual franchises to kind of be emotionally mined rather than just kind of callously exploited as a means of a quick quick buck to cash in on nostalgia neither of them really feel like that they feel like they're genuinely telling uh emotionally resonant stories um through the prism of iconic characters within their franchises but they're also building fresh stories that feel like they've got a lot of value particularly to modern audiences big time i get the sense as well particularly from like creed 2 of this this thing which i think is quite a human i mean all of it's really a sort of human experience as, as we've established but the second film in particular i feel like it deals with this very natural fear that we all have of history repeating itself you know you get this thing with parents yeah. sort of doing their best to try and steer children away from making the same mistakes and inadvertently steering them right into the path of it and you know that's kind of how like creed 2 opens up isn't it it's almost like history repeating itself straight away yeah. and that's sort of what rocky's dealing with just then is that whole guilt and sort of thinking i, I can't do this again and and for mm-hmm. that, and you know, I think that's part of the reason why that film has such a great emotional resonance with people. I agree, and like, because that again is like the big uh, worry, I guess, around when Creed Two was coming out was how does it kind of um, legitimize the most outlandish installment in its more grounded reality that the first one established, and it, it does manage. It, it manages to do that literally just by giving characters more particularly the cartoonish 80s villain villain stereotypes of ivan drago uh it just gives them more and actually treats them as characters rather than caricature and that is just it is an easy way to deepen uh uh i say it's an easy way it's it's the easy decision to make but it's harder to then put that into practice and to actually make it feel surprising and hefty and i do think creed 2 is very good at that because it has very strong parallels with uh, a lot of the father and son tensions and dynamics running through it and the drago one is as compelling as anything that's going on between uh donnie and rocky or rocky and his son and that, that is a testament to their again their approach that doesn't doesn't try to cut too many corners with it it does t- take the time to develop something a bit more a bit more uh substantial than you may be anticipating yeah yeah absolutely i was surprised by that it's sort of kind of humanized ivan drago quite a lot which i found really shocking because as you say that sort of in the prism of that film and the fourth one in particular he is just the big baddie you know Mm -hmm. he's kind of this you know merciless guy and it sort of sets up that movie quite well, but actually it's really nice that they bring that back and go, oh, hang on a minute, there's another side to this story. Yeah, exactly. Um, and again, uh, kind of looking at Rocky Four as this kind of like the weird uh, both outlier, but also strangely the one that's had the most relevance over where this franchise has 
ended up going. Um, and like even to the point now where Stallone's re-editing it and is releasing a director's cut. Mm. Uh, I think in the next coming weeks because it's oh, the okay. um, thirty fifth anniversary next uh, next week that uh, Rocky Four came out. So I know the wow. intention was to get the director's cut out before then, but uh, whether whether it will be, we'll see. But uh, mm. again, yeah, it's just one that clearly Stallone loves coming back to, and I'm intrigued to see what our director's cut looks like. I wonder if it's more montage. <laughs> or whether Darko himself will have a bit more <laughs> we need 70% montage not 35 mm-hmm. <laughs> let's break the record <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, imagine that and there's like an entire other score that they didn't use and I'll, I'll just chuck that yeah. in and who knows I mean I'll say this much I'm, I'm more I'm now the more robot's in... gone <laughs> oh wow well, that's, that's a shame <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm more on board for that than I am for the Zack Schneider uh, cut of Justice League, but that's for another yeah. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Stallone cut. Get that going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get that trending on Twitter. Oh, I love that. So, I mean, I, I'm just curious. Then, is there anything else that kind of that you love about these films? And you've covered so many great things already. But is there anything else that mm. sort of stands out to you every time you go back and rewatch these films? Um, it, I, I think for me, it's. Uh, Particularly as you see other people kind of reacting to them, because I always think that like sometimes with films that you watch from a young age, um, and then you continue to love into your adult life. If you then introduce these films to someone who is who hasn't grown up with them and doesn't have this attachment, then it can they can sometimes not really do much to impress that person. I I think like I always find Star Wars is one that whenever I meet people um, who maybe watch it when they're a bit older, just don't kind of have the same affinity for it or, or kind of really get it in the same way that people, I say get it, I just, I, I re- really mean more the kind of nostalgic attach, attachment to that is such a, I think, pivotal part of that particular fandom. But with Rocky, there's, again, I think it just distills down to like the kind of, perfect sports movie formula that is just so very hard to to um deny yourself and like it's so easy to be swayed into it and yeah i just think it's going to be one of these franchises that for me will never never feel like it won't be able to deliver exactly what i i'm expecting from it and it will always be one i go back to as a kind of comfort blanket as well as uh, motivator as well so it, it, it is just one of the one of those collections of films that really just does a great deal for my like self-motivation and just like general well-being whenever i watch them because they do always find a way to stir something up and like really invig- invigorate me no matter how many times i watch them and i i do just love them for that <laughs> no absolutely man i mean and not to knock it, because I do love Star Wars, and I've already said that on this podcast before. But yeah. um, <laughs> It's a hard fandom to talk about. Yeah. As soon as yeah. I started talk, going into mm-hmm. it, I was like, oh. <laughs> so we, we, I brushed the guff against it in a, in a previous episode, so don't worry. Um, but yeah, stuff like that, as you say, it's very much nostalgia. It's, you know, you see them as a kid, and I think as you get older, like, you know, I've, I've had that with the latest trilogy. I've come back to it enjoying them. But like, as you say, that exact feeling of, it's not landing the same way. And I'm like, well, it's because I'm an mm. adult now. 
these are primarily stories for children and that's fine yeah you know, and that's great that's what they're there for and long may it continue you know mm-hmm. um especially like you know the mandalorian i'm absolutely loving but again it's not landing the same way as it would if i was perhaps a little kid but that's fine um, but yeah. as you say the, the rocky films yeah i guess because of what we've already discussed really that the themes that they touch upon being so universal that yeah it makes sense that it's gonna land with you no matter what age you are whether you're a sick yeah. little boy watching it at home for the first time or <laughs> you know whether you're an adult watching it and you're going oh, i should really get this done or do that project or you know like you said that kind of rousing motivation maybe i will go for a run tomorrow <laughs> yes maybe i will i mean it's a maybe a bit cold it's start, a maybe but maybe yeah exactly you know? uh, <laughs> what's but, the weather doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing isn't it and um i, th- I think that's something that you know, th- those kind of fantasy films usually rely on a, a type of character where it's the chosen one and there's destiny and you know and they're, they're fine for what they are but i think the rocky films are an excellent example of a character that doesn't have any special powers isn't you know predetermined is largely ignored for you know a mm-hmm. lot of the first one and, and as we've said is he's picked by chance he's almost picked as a cruel joke but just through hard work and and dedication and as you've said sticking to your morals and your principles he's able to make something and, and that's i mean who doesn't love that kind of journey it's, it's hard not to root for somebody like that and it i think that can appeal to all of us you know not saying all yeah. of us are going to go out and become world champion boxers but there's something i think in it that's in line <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. There's, there's something in it that that's quite appealing and quite yeah encouraging as you say so, yeah. yeah, I totally and get it. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to like boxing. You don't even need to like sports movies. Oh, um, totally. Yeah, it's there's just something that's very, very, very easy to love. Yeah, and it, those kind of films land well. And like I said, I mentioned Cobra Kai. I'm really digging that. And uh, one of my favorites, which is very heavily influenced by the Rocky films, is the film Warrior. Uh, Tom, oh yeah, Tom yeah. Hardy, you know, and it, you, you can totally see. It is basically mirroring that sort of journey, but it's um those, those kind of films. Like, yeah, I can totally see why people love them, and yeah, Rocky Rocky's the one that started them all. So I know you've definitely you go. got me thinking. I need to go back and and actually watch the whole lot all the way through. Yeah, it's a it's a fun ride, particularly like keep keep your like one eye on the larger Stallone filmographies at large as well, mm-hmm. and you'll 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 track the you'll track the trajectory as they mirror mirror each yeah. other. <laughs> Definitely. That's awesome, man. So where should people begin then? I guess to start from number one if they want to get into this. Yeah, I would definitely just uh, work through them all chrono- chronologically. Uh, that, that's the best way to do it. Um, and then I've taken to doing uh, a little crib trilogy in doing just like Rocky Four, Creed and Creed Two. <laughs> <laughs> it works very well. <laughs> that's tr- yeah, that's that's very true. Those stories do line up quite nicely to each other. Yeah. So they yeah, do. people want to want to start there as well. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to cover with us, Andy? Um, I'm trying to think. I think I'm. I think I've pretty much hit all the hit all the points I was uh, hoping to to land here. <laughs> okay okay i hope so i mean like i said you've definitely got me uh inspired to go and check these out uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, might, I might watch one now as well <laughs> <laughs> absolutely 
So I just I was going to ask then where can where can the good people find you, Andy? Oh, I'm I'm on Twitter at AndyGodian93. That's where I probably do most of my social media interactions. Um, I'm also currently working on a podcast called At Ramblin Amblin, which is going to be going through all the films under the Amblin Entertainment banner. Uh, looking forward to having you on in a future episode to yeah. return this favor. Um, that's absolutely but yeah, fine. That's, that's going to be out soon. Got the first episodes nearly ready to go. So yeah, that's that's something I'm working on. And uh, yeah, otherwise I'm on, on Twitter and I, I write reviews and features for a variety of different sites. Uh, so yeah, give me a follow on there if you're, if you're interested in what I have to say. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'll certainly do. I'll plug that. And I have to say, I'm looking forward to that. I think the, uh, the idea is brilliant. So anyone who doesn't yeah. know, just go and look up the Amblin Entertainment uh, movie list. It's... Mm. it's quite a list that you've got there it so is i'm looking forward it to is. hearing how that I, how that pans out i did did very nearly go maybe i should do an amblin on this podcast to best also talk up but then i kind of went you're going to be talking about amblin for the best part of the next year now so maybe do something else first <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely give, yeah give yourself a break. <laughs> yeah <laughs> before we dive in <laughs> yeah that's it but no i but love yeah, that and um we're looking forward to that Totally, man. And again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking to me about this. I think it's it's been brilliant. Always happy to extol the uh, gospel of Rocky Balboa. So it's <laughs> <laughs> That's a privilege as well. Thanks, thank you, Andy. No problem, man. Thank you. And there we have it. Another great episode, Darren, with an amazing guest. Thank you so much to Andrew for coming on to the show and sharing your love of the Rocky franchise. It was absolutely brilliant. If you want to hear more from Andrew and his love of movies, then definitely go and subscribe to the Ramblin and Amblin podcast, where he will be going through all the movies produced by the Amblin Entertainment Company. I think it's a great concept for a podcast, and I cannot wait to hear more. As Andrew said, I will be making an appearance on the pod, and I cannot wait. And that's really it for me. If you guys are enjoying this particular episode, then tell me. Let me know. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Both handles are at FundamentalsPod. I would love to hear from you. If you're enjoying the show in general, then uh, do me a favour. Tell a friend. It costs nothing to retweet and share if you're listening. And if you'd like to go ahead and leave a review, five stars preferably on your chosen app, that would also be brilliant. And if you do that for me, definitely tell me because you will get a shout out on the pod. It really is the least that I can do. But thank you so much, though, for the support. It means the world to me. Every download just makes my day. So thank you so much. I won't be back with a guest in a few weeks' time, but I will be back with a special project of mine that I've been working on, and I hope all of you guys will enjoy it and um, your regularly scheduled programming that will resume in the new year. So until next time, stay tuned and stay safe. (laughs) 